More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. A family business on the moon. Lessons from the author, Professor Randall Carlock. Randall Carlock takes a singularly pragmatic approach to the subject of family business management. His latest book, A Family Business on the Moon, written with co-author Kang Fung Lo, is not a textbook or self-help volume. Instead of describing family business dynamics through dense theoretical terminology or the lens of case studies, their book gives readers access to a lifetime of aggregated wisdom from teaching and consulting with family businesses around the world for over 25 years, condensed into a series of practical exercises. We had the opportunity to speak with Randall about the importance of the parallel planning process, the critical task of developing talent within family businesses, and why we should think of family businesses as family enterprises. Enjoy this episode with Randall. Okay, so Randall, uh, let's get started. I think what would be amazing is for us to first of all understand, we know that you've had a very illustrious uh, career in the family business field, but we would love to actually know where your initial passion for family business is rooted and how come you came to dedicate your, your life to supporting family businesses in their development and their growth. That would be amazing. Well, um, I, I was a CEO and I, I've always been a teacher. I was a high school teacher, junior high teacher, community college teacher, but I was running a company at the same time. And so I, I had to make a career decision and I, I finished my doctorate in entrepreneurship and there wasn't family business being taught 30 years ago. It had never been taught as an academic course. And so uh, Wendy Handler and Nancy Upton from Baylor, from uh, Babson and Baylor and myself all worked together and we all decided to create a course We'd each teach on our own campus, and we did. And, and I taught a family business course. I met a wonderful family uh, who came to the class. And I was so motivated by them and by the topic. Quite honestly, I shouldn't say this out loud, but it made entrepreneurship look very boring. And that's what my doctorate was in. And I had been an entrepreneurship professor for a couple of years. And so I, I just made a decision to change my focus from entrepreneurship to family business. And then I met some great people like John Ward and John and I started doing books together. And so it was just one thing after another. And, and it's the most challenging topic I've ever dealt with because it's psychology, it's management, it's leadership, and it's human. And it's, you know, it's what we need to teach all of our MBAs and all of our business students, because you can't work with families and not put a very heavy focus on the human dimension. Where in business schools, we pretend that people aren't human, that they're rational actors, which is a crazy joke because it's not true. I mean, none of us are rational. And family businesses prove it every day. And it doesn't mean we're irrational, it just means we're we're human, we're emotional. Well, I like that as a premise for a realistic assessment of, uh, of all the family businesses listening to this podcast. It'll come as a comforting message from you that uh, I think it's, a, it's something that 
generally in the teaching also a family business maybe the idea of also separating emotions from decision making uh, almost an unattainable uh, unattainable goal for many family businesses and you talk about, we'll talk about it as well when we talk about this this new book that you just published which is so exciting but just to come back to what you just said before reference point which book are we talking about right now we're about to talk to about your latest book a family business on the moon but how many books does that make now throughout your career number six number six wow We'll make sure that under this podcast, people can access uh, your previous works as well. But today we're here to talk about your latest baby. It's called A Family Business on the Moon. And uh, we highly recommend everyone listening to this to uh, get a copy of this book. So A Family Business on the Moon, we would love to understand more about First of all, what was the general idea behind this when yourself and Kang Fan Lo started writing this? Like, what did you set out to do? What kind of a gap were you trying to fill in the family business literature? And maybe a little bit more about the analogy, like why, why the moon, basically? Why, why the moon, moon? travel? Well, okay. <laughs> the moon didn't come from us. The moon came from a little family business, you've maybe heard of them, called Bata Shoes. And Bata Shoes, their chairman Thomas and his two sisters and five of their kids were studying with me at MCAD. And one of their sons, Charles, we were doing an exercise on vision. And he said, you know, we've got so many stores on the earth. Maybe we should put a shoe store on the moon. And it was such a, a wonderful metaphor. And so I, I wrote a post-it note, put it in my billfold like I always do. And I said, someday I'm going to write a book and I'm going to put family business on the moon. And that's how the idea came. It's from the Bata shoe family. If you look inside the front cover of the book, we've got a big shoe on the moon because uh, not only are they a great family business and, and one that uh, is a model for all of us around the world, but it also is their idea. And the second part of your question is, you know, family business books or management books are kind of, they come in about three flavors. One is kind of the car crash, the terrible accident. Everything's going to go wrong. Um, <laughs> well, that doesn't do anybody any good. I mean, it's a waste of time. Uh, you know, it is. It's like looking at a car accident on the side of the road. The other one is, you know, some kind of hero saga that's kind of like a novel and, it's really, it is, we call them an organizational saga. It's where you write a story and none of it's true, but it's all perfect and beautiful and everything worked and we planned it for 20 years. Well, that's not how business happens. And then the last one is the one that's the worst of all of them. And that's the experts advice because there are no experts in family business. And it's one of the challenges that business schools and professors face. Our models are on best practices. We look at the Fortune 500 and we say, here's how 500 companies do it. So that must be the best way to do it. Every family is a sample of one. Each family is unique and they have to create their own plans. So what we said with this book was, why don't we teach and give families a tool so they can plan for their unique experience. And so uh, we designed it for families to help families start to have the discussion. So this book is to get things on the table and we start with values. If you get an agreement on values, you're 80% you're of the way done in planning and in building a powerful team. Let's just maybe like a word about your co-author, uh, you know, Kang Fan Lo. Uh, how did you how did you guys find each other and like how, how come you worked together on this book and, and how do you feel like that collaboration has helped you, you know, achieve such quality? Well, it's a, it's a couple of things. Kang Fun uh, comes from a banking background. She worked for Citicorp. She's Asian, Singaporean, Chinese, but um, she worked in the United States for Citicorp and then in Asia, obviously. 
and and she is very very interested in families and business families. And how I met her is she came she was at NCOT helping me with some of our programs like our family business boot camp, and we recognized that we had a lot of things in common interest, but also she's not an academic. And so when she looks at half of the stuff I write, she says, that doesn't make any sense to what real people say. And so, and I'm not an academic. I'm not as, you know, like John Ward's a real academic. I was a CEO for 25 years. I worked for a living, you know, I mean, and, and, but I, I, you know, when you get here and you're at a place like NCI, it kind of, contaminates you you start to think like an academic and I, I every day I have to kick myself and say you are not an academic you are a human being a business person a leader but forget all these you know and so she's helped a lot with that she also has a wonderful style about uh, how she sees things and you know she works so closely with our designers and with our artists that was kind of our collaboration I had the parallel planning model and I had you know, this picture of a book that was for families. And then she had this idea of how it should feel and how, how, you know, when you laid it down on your desk and look at it, the reaction that you shared with me when we, you know, before we started that, you know, the whole thing, refreshing, that's the kind of words we want to hear. I mean, refreshing is the least of the words I would actually use. But I also think that, you know, this just to because we're also having this conversation on like, you know, what what does family business education look like and where does its future lie? And I mean, now we've talked a little about the psychology of the book, but let's talk more about what is in the book, actually. So how it's sort of built for us. What was like, I think the most intriguing part when we started reading the book was the PPP. And I'd love to spend some time on the PPP because I think that it's it's just as beautiful. And really, that's. The, that simple overview that you keep on coming back to when you go through the book and through its all its intrinsic steps. Talk to us more about the PPP and what it stands for and what it can do for families. Okay. Well, so the PPP came from a book that John and I did uh, about 15 years ago called Family Business Strategy. And there was one chapter in it about parallel planning. And where parallel planning came from was the Cargill family. We saw together was how important it was to plan for the family and the business. Cargill had business strategies and plans that were 20 or 30 years ahead of everybody. That's why they're the largest. They were brilliant, but they never gave enough attention to the family. And so as I started to work with them, you know, they were always saying things like, well, what about this and what about that and governance? But it was always came back to the family. And so one of the ideas that came out of that project was the importance of aligning the family and the business plans together and the fact that they were around critical factors. And this is one of the few things that's universal and it's very elegant. I like, I like theories that are elegant in the physics sense, simple. Every family has to have clarity of values. Every organization has to have clarity of values. I don't care who you are, if your values aren't aligned, if your marketing department's running on one set of values and your finance department's running on another, it's not going to work. So we started with values for the family and the business. Then we looked at vision. Then we looked at strategy. Then we looked at investment. And then we looked at governance. Mm -hmm. And so governance is family agreements, family meetings. And in the business, it's the board. Investment is human capital from the family, their talent their leadership, their passion. And then on the business side, it's their financial investment. 
And then for the family, the strategy is very unique. And this is a key part of our book. The single most important thing a family needs to do is develop talent, is to develop the talent and interests of every family member, whether they're going to work in the business or not, because it's equally important to have smart shareholders and committed family members, as well as brilliant CEOs and very capable directors. And so talent development, in the, in the Moon book, 25% of the exercises are about developing people. Now, you go to a typical business school or a typical corporation, and they pay lip service to talent development, but they really like to teach finance and accounting and marketing and all the big academic business disciplines. But the real discipline in the 21st century is how do we get the most capable people in our organization? That's the factor. But then that avoidance is also a, an actual mirror to the fact that family strategy, talent development is hard. It is so, so hard, right? Like, and I think you, with your with your vast experience in consulting, but also teaching family businesses, why is it so difficult? I mean, every one of us thinks our particular family is particularly crazy. So like, you know, <laughs> do, do make us feel better, Randall, and tell us about like, you know, why is it so difficult overall? I can't make you feel better because it is so difficult. No, I mean, my middle daughter is an entrepreneur. And, and, and so she has her own business that she's developing. And we struggle when I coach her and give her advice. In fact, a good friend of mine who's a wonderful consultant and a good, another good friend, she's a very good financial I've asked them to work with my own daughter because I can work with Cargill. I can work with Bata because I don't have to go home at night and, and be their dad. Yeah. And that's the dilemma. So part of what we need to do is, is really make use of business schools, make use of consultants, make, make all kinds of learning activities, everything we can do for our family members, and not just about business. Mm -hmm. Let people pursue whatever topics or interests they have so that they develop their talents and capabilities. And if they decide to go into the business, great. But if they don't, you're being a good parent. A good parent is one who raises satisfied children who are capable. Two qualities. They're capable of being successful adults and they're satisfied with their lives. And a lot of people shouldn't be in family business. But that and the other part of what our thinking is, and, and you ask about the future, the future is not family business, it's family enterprise. What we're finding is that second and third and fourth generation families, only one or two of them work in the business or three of them. You know, the first generation is the founder, the second is the three, you know, the two daughters and the son, and the third generation is the nine or 12 or 18 cousins, and they're not all going to work there. But they may work in the foundation. They may work in the family office. They may work in family investments. They may bring new ventures that they want to start. And these enterprise activities is what we need to prepare our kids for. Again, talent development. We can't talk enough about it. Talent development and definitely a, a, a great portion of what you're saying. Agility, of course, like an understanding that then there, there are many shapes and forms that a family enterprise, beautiful word, isn't it? Like, I think it's a much more encompassing, much more tolerant and inclusive uh, term for sure. It doesn't, it really captures kind of the ethos of what we're experiencing. You know, the Golden Globes last uh, few nights ago, I was in California and I watched it. And I mean, it was unbelievable. 
there were more people of different nationalities, of color. The uh, women were winning the big award. I mean, this is just a matter of five years. Well, that's what family businesses need to do. We need to think about how can we use every bit of our talent, not just the oldest son, for God's sake. I mean, everybody. Well, that's a great, that's a great way to, to stay relevant. And I think also this is, again, I would, this is how I would term the book, highly relevant, but also uh, I would term this book to be very much 21st century. The way it's built uh, and the way it addresses the possibilities of what a family business can be. And I think this is what I'd love to finish this conversation on. You know, the role of family businesses in the 21st century, from your perspective, Randall, like, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you look... We know what family businesses have done over the last few hundred years. We've seen it like, you know, uh, till today we have the traces, we have the legacies there. This century, of course, I think every century felt different at the beginning of the century, but I think this century has brought a considerable amount of new opportunities and, and quite drastic uh, changes with it. Where do you see the role of family? And let me use your preferred term here. What, where do you see the role of family enterprises in the 21st century? Well, um, everything that's happening demographically, economically, and in every other way says that families are going to be a very, very important part of the, because they are already, even in the developed economies of Europe or the United States or, uh, you know, those countries, it's a very, very high percent of the employment. And, and you know, you, you, got, you guys in your magazines talk about it all the time. But the new challenge is, is places like China. I mean, here's the second largest economy in the world, and they've grown that to that position in 30 years, mm -hmm. and they've never had a transition of ownership yet. They're, their CEOs are all 65 years old, but they, they started the companies 30 years ago. One of the big issues facing China is how do we manage this transition and get out of the state-owned enterprise business? About 50% of the Chinese economy is state-owned enterprises, and 50% is families and entrepreneurs. And all of the money that's made comes from the entrepreneur side and the family side because the bureaucracies just lose money. And so they it's a huge challenge from a country like, uh, like China. But then you look at South America, you look at Africa, you look at the Middle East, all of these economies are going to be based on families simply because the economic system, the legal systems, the financial systems aren't able to keep up. But the second part of your expression of the idea of enterprise is come to conclusion. Most people have come to the conclusion that governments can't solve an awful lot of the social issues we face, that people have to do it themselves. And this is philanthropy. This is social ventures, social entrepreneurship, and that's all part of enterprises. And you look at any country, but look at the United States of any major charitable or social or philanthropic, and it comes from families. I mean, it's the Rockefellers, that's Standard Oil. The Carnegie's, that's U.S. Steel. You know, and, and, and you look at a lot of the big families now that come along, they're, they're still doing it. The, you know, the Dayton family that started Target unbelievable. Their foundation is more powerful than it was 20 years ago. I mean, they're leading on so many topics. And I think this is where the enterprise model really comes in. God, I wish I was 30 years old. So I had 
70 more years to do this work. But we're very, we're actually very grateful to have the benefit of your wisdom uh, at this stage, because I think it's a, it's a mixed time, isn't it? It's a mixed time between uh, where we are excited about a lot of new things, but where we definitely should not forget where we come from and what can be learned from uh, from the past. So, And there again, the family business is actually, or the family enterprise is actually a great business model in a way, right? Like Because we have so much of that tacit historical knowledge that is part of our legacy. You know, so when you talked about the parallel planning process and the emotional content and all of this, one of the things that we discovered on it was uh, we try to help families become professionally emotional, which is an oxymoron. But we say you have to be in your governance and your strategy professional. But in your leadership and in your caring, you have to be emotional. That it's that passion and emotion and caring that separates family firms so many times from large corporations. The complaint against large organizations is they're only run for one thing, earnings per share. And it's mm -hmm. not anybody's fault, it's the marketplace. If I'm a CEO and my earnings per share go up, I get bonuses and recognition. If I build a company that in 10 years will be stronger, but my earnings per share go down over the next two years, I get fired. Mm -hmm. And that's the dilemma, where if it's a family business, I can invest because I don't care what happens. This is another thing that Cargill's taught me. is that We never think about what's happening for the current generation or even the next generation after that. We're thinking about three generations ahead. And uh, you know, if all businesses thought three generations ahead instead of three quarters ahead, I mean, now a long-term thinker on the New York Stock Exchange is someone who's planning for next year not for 10 years from now. Hmm. And, and 10 years from now is when we can create huge shareholder value. I mean, because you have the time to develop the strategies and invest in the strategies, but it's very difficult when you're in the public market. So, so really actually this, the family business on the moon, the moon book, as you affectionately call it, I heard just now, yep. uh, the moon book is really also very relevant for um, advisors, but also for maybe leaders in non-family businesses, because there's a lot to learn that applies definitely to uh, non-family owned peers as well, I would say. Yep. Um, a lot of that, uh, of, the, of the things that you say in here are highly relevant. Uh, to culture and building culture as well in organizations generally. So uh, definitely recommend it also to people not part of family businesses. So actually, um, Randall, thank you very much for your time. And we appreciate your, your telling us about the book. And uh, we, we're putting the links and everything below the podcast here and everyone can download and uh, buy it and go to your website and figure it out. And we highly recommend it and hope that, uh, that more people discover this very important work. Well, thank you for your kind words and um, let's, let's keep pushing. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.